Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. What is up? My name is Evan Singler. And I'm Eddie Ernst. And this is the PTA Tapes, a podcast where we go, tell them, Eddie. Behind the scenes of physical therapy. That is right. Behind the scenes of physical therapy. We want to talk to people about their story, what makes them different, and how others can channel their difference to also be successful. So, put the tape in and let's roll. We're coming back on the air after an interruption due to technical problems. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Eddie. Uh, coming back at you with another hiatus. Uh, adulting is hard sometimes, and it uh, gets in the way of doing the tapes, but we always love to come back on when we can. Uh, so today we have uh, my boy Matt Nape out of Colorado. Uh, we talked about you know the, uh, the positives as far as you know what we expected to be like in the clinic or what we expected of ourselves in the clinic and, and what kind of matched up with that. Um, and then on the next part, we talk about Uh, Things that didn't quite go our way, things that, you know, we had to change up in our clinical practice because, you know, going from clinical uh, rotations and and school didn't quite match up with, you know, what we thought would happen in the clinic itself. And so we had to change up how, you know, we treated or, you know, how we viewed things. Uh, So in this first part, we focus on uh, the former of the two. Uh, So we talk about what uh, we expected of ourselves or what we expected of our clinical practice. Uh, and how that matched up with with how we're practicing now. Uh, that's all I got for you. Uh, enjoy. As as like for the seventeenth seventeenth time in a row, welcome back to the PTA tapes. Uh, where welcome we back. Like to take random ass uh, hiatuses because we're busy people and haven't uh, dedicated one hundred percent of our time to this just yet. Today we have at least Matt Nape. Hopefully, Keepak will, will pop on. Um, we are all now licensed PTAs, one of us a little bit shorter than the others. But today, we're just going to kind of talk about um, you know, our expectations when we graduated or when we were in clinicals and uh, how those expectations unfolded once we got into the clinic working, uh, working on our own and, and not being under the direct supervision of a CI anymore and facing the real world. Um, so for those who don't know, so I work in an outpatient clinic uh, with about 60, 70% uh, geriatrics on balance and vestibular issues. Uh, Evan, I think, works in acute care still, correct? Yep. yep. Yeah, in hospital. yeah, working in that hospital life. Um, and then Matt, why don't you give us a little intro on you and, and where you did your clinicals at and uh, where you're working now? Yeah, for sure. Um, For right now, I've been at a small, it's a 48-bed acute care rehab, like skilled nursing facility type place, uh, Louisville, Colorado. Absolutely love it. I mean, I'd say, I mean, my entire population is geriatric. Uh, For the most part, it's like I said, it's more of a rehab. So we deal with a lot of falls, um, you know, post-operative care, you know, some total knees, total hips, not a lot though. So it's definitely varied to say the least. Um, I graduated back in May. So from a clinical standpoint, I did my first long-term clinical uh, back in Missouri, which was pretty great. That was at an outpatient style facility. Um, Really enjoyed. That's definitely, you know, one day I want to get into outpatient. Uh, My second one was actually here in Colorado up in Evergreen, about an hour away from me, but way up in the mountains, I think an elevation of like 9,000 feet. Um, But it was a lot of fun. It was an outpatient slash Pilates studio. (laughs) So talk about really getting to learn some different stuff, learned about dry needling, 
uh, I've really loved it. It's been, it's been an eye opening experience, you know, obviously to get into the real world. So I'm, I'm loving it. So first off, what was it like being at 9,000 feet, like from a breathing standpoint? You know, it takes a little while to get used to it. really does. And, uh, Pilates 9,000 feet up, you know, uh, yeah. seeing me, seeing me do the uh, Pilates stretch on a reformer, you guys would have laughed. It was great. But uh, no, I mean, it definitely takes some getting used to, but uh, I mean, everyone talks about um, uh, elevation sickness and stuff like that. But after a while, it does give you a, uh, a larger drinking tolerance. Hey. So I got to go home to Missouri there for a little while. I had to work a little harder to feel the effects. Dope. But it's a lot of fun. It's it, beautiful. I mean, the drive there up into the mountains, up I-70, oh, yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I made that trip, uh, as Matt knows, a couple times when I was yep. driving down to California for my uh, mm-hmm. clinical internships. And, uh, yeah, driving through Colorado was just awesome. Uh, it's amazing. Kansas kind of sucked, but then as soon as I hit that Colorado border, got <laughs> well, you, you don't like flat plains and, uh, and uh, wind turbines? No, nah, dude. <laughs> you don't like, like tumbleweeds, Eddie? What's wrong with you? Everybody loves tumbleweeds. Yeah. <laughs> Gale force winds, maybe. I don't know about tumbleweeds in KC. <laughs> oh, man. Um, sweet. So, uh, I didn't really have an itinerary for this, but, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll start to kick it off. So, one thing that um, – I'll go with one thing that was just – went the same as I expected it. So, I expected that when I would graduate and be off my own that I would still be minimally utilizing modalities um, and that – I wouldn't feel very comfortable working on my own for probably a month. Um, I think it was just kind of a mixture of nerves and, and everything like that. And that went just about as I expected. Um, luckily, the, the place I'm at had really, really good onboarding um, for the first like week and a half or two. I was kind of shadowing um, one of the PTs that was there and then kind of slowly took over his case or parts of his caseload. Um, and then they shift me over to my own caseload and started kind of building me up from there to um, – like eight patients a day, I think is what I started at on my own caseload, and then nine, 10, and then to 12. Um, so that went really well. I think, you know, I, I was really nervous for the first two weeks, you know, going over and asking, you know, get, p- getting patients from the waiting room and bringing them over for the first two weeks was just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, are you sure like somebody's not supposed to be here, like watching me? Like, is somebody supposed to be signing my notes? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I didn't hurt anybody, I didn't kill anybody. Uh, so that's nice. Um, but I, I don't know exactly when, but I mean, somewhere third, third or fourth week, it was just kind of just hit, hit in stride and hit, getting the swing of things where everything was just clicking. And I wasn't as worried about having somebody standing over me or, or worrying about somebody checking my notes and, and things like that. So that was really nice. Um, and then also the modalities was nice. So I, I rarely use the modalities. Um, I think I use hot packs and cold packs for the most part, just at the end of treatment or beginning of treatment, just to make people feel nice. Um, it's actually a trick for people out there. If you have patients that get dizzy, um, a cold pack on their neck, um, kind of C7 um, for about five, 10 minutes, usually significantly decreases their, their feeling of dizziness um, and really calms down their, their uh, sympathetic nervous system so they don't get as many symptoms. So that's primarily the thing I use it for. Um, I have a couple orthopedic people where I put a hot pack because they're like, oh, it feels so good afterwards. And I say, okay, fine, whatever. Um, but I haven't touched it <laughs> for some you know, months in. Still keeping that going strong. Um, just because nobody's asked me to do it. Um, again, not trying to, I, I get why we, why people use it. So I'm not bashing anybody that does use it. However, nobody has asked me or said, Hey, I really love ultrasound. Would you do it? So I haven't done it yet. And, uh, been successful so far. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I saw, I saw your conversation on Facebook the other day talking about modalities and stuff. And yeah, even in an inpatient setting, you know, a rehab kind of setting, we don't do, we don't do as much probably as they would have set me up to believe we would like through college. I mean, obviously it's a big, uh, you know, 
PTAs, you know, consider modalities to be a big bread and butter. I mean, I've definitely discovered a more hands-on approach comes in, you know, more handy. Haha. I'll play on words for you. <laughs> but uh, we typically we find a lot of use mostly like in eSIM has been helping out a lot. Like we use pens and tens a lot, mm-hmm. but we actually use uh, shortwave diathermy quite a bit. And I've, I've seen some amazing results. I've loved it. But yeah, for the most part, I, I definitely don't, I don't use them. I don't use modalities as much as I would have thought I would either. Evan, did you, uh, I, know, I know you're not on Facebook very often, or I think you're not on Facebook very often at least. Um, did yeah, you have man, that, me roasted for saying that modalities are, are kind of pointless? <laughs> no, you know what? I didn't see it. I wouldn't put it past put it past you to throw something like that out there. You know? I mean, I was nice about it. I uh, there's yeah, a lady, there's a girl on uh, on that PTA groups, uh, for Luke's group, the PTA professionals, um, and she said, "Oh, you know, I'm starting school in two months or whatever. You know, you know any advice?" And everybody's offering their advice. Study hard. Da, 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 da. And I was like, after your first two classes, you don't need to study modalities anymore, and that's about it. And then I guess got roasted by like four or five people, including one of my professors, um, who said oh, she was disappointed. Oh, all the moderators up there going at you. Dude, people were like, modalities are key. Like, you need to know all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I was, I, even I was surprised. People were like, I'm disappointed in you, Eddie. And I'm like, that's a little yeah. harsh. <laughs> well, that, that was my, um, that was my professor. And so mm-hmm. that's where I, I like reached out to her and I, I haven't heard back just yet, but I reached out to her. I was like, look, you guys did fucking awesome teaching us. Like, if there's something on there that you are honestly taking, brag or nothing, through, but, yeah. I want to know what it is because I want to make sure my point's clear with you because yeah, I'm not trying to diss you guys at all. I, lo- I love my, my program. Um, but yeah, and, you know, the, the argument was that you need to know contraindications and yeah, sure. I mean, but it takes two seconds to look it up. Like how many times have you looked stuff up when, when you're with patients? Probably all the time. Um, Power of Google. Yeah, Google. <laughs> well, no, the, but I, I will say this, you know, the two, there's two things that I've known about Eddie since, since day one meeting him. Number one, for all you listeners out there, he's not afraid to stir shit up. Yeah. That's Eddie. Number two, if he believes in something, that's what he believes in, and he sticks by it, and he'll prove the facts. He'll give you the evidence, or at least try to give you as what as much out there that he um, has access to. So those are two things that obviously you know I respect about Eddie for all those people on Facebook that are trying to go at him. The PTA tape. Seconded, man. Yeah, come at it. We need voices like that. You know, okay. guys like you know, it's easy to fall into it. We need people to speak their minds. <laughs> And I'm yeah, not, I mean, you got to present present a, a solid argument. You know, mm-hmm. this is how we've always done it. Is is the worst argument you can make. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I have learned through both of, both doing the the tapes and, and the clinicals and everything like that that part of evidence based practice is uh, clinical experience. So I mm-hmm. like that was one of the things I, I think Jeff Moore kind of pointed out to me. He's like, look, I use ultrasound, but that's when people are like, hey, I've heard it's going to help me, so I want to try it out. Sure. Um, so that's kind of one of the things is like. Um, Yes, there's research that says it's ineffective, but if somebody comes in and says, hey, I heard about this thing called ultrasound, and I think it might be something that might really help me, would you, would you try it? Hell yeah, sure, why not? Eight minutes of my time, sure, let's do it. But mm-hmm. am I going like, to go out of my way to use it? Not so much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of evidence there on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, the, it ultimately comes down to you know, your perception of what you think that that modality does for another person because if you don't buy into it then i mean you're not going to want to use it on your patients you know sure. that's how it's going to affect how well you use it too sure yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so i mean i just out of, like you know out of all honesty from my standpoint you know what i do in acute care you know i, I never touch a modality on a daily basis and that's not saying they don't work it's just you know in my practice I, I you know we have access to it it's just that's out of the forefront of what i'm doing with the patients that i work with 
and it, maybe that's more just because it's very acute um, and there's other like, you know, um, com comorbidities or, you know, um, issues like unstable vitals and this and that. So contraindications play into it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just don't, you know, from my perspective, you know, and that's not saying things don't work. It's just that I have a different approach to how I want to practice. Um, and that, I mean, that's different for anybody else out there, you know, exactly. I'm not saying that, you know, someone out there, you know, loves using e-stem or ultrasound or whatever it be. I'm not saying you're wrong in doing that. I'm just saying that how I view things might be different from how you view things. So, but yeah, you know. <laughs> My uh, my neuro professor back in college had the old saying of everybody has a different recipe for chocolate cake. <laughs> it's like in the end, you get the same cake, you get the same results. If you, you know, put an extra egg in there, or a little less cocoa powder, you still end up with some great cake. So, I mean, that's that's probably one of the biggest things I've had to learn is it's not black and white anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, what works for one patient does not work for another. And while ultrasound might work great on, you know, an 80-year-old patient with a new knee, a 75-year-old patient with a new knee, it might it just might not be for them. You know, I don't know if it's a difference in body types, if it's the placebo effect, but I mean, I've seen it work for some, work for others. And so me, I'm kind of the same way, or I'll try anything once if a patient requests it, or if my PT wants me to do it, we'll yeah. try it. And the great thing about my supervising PT is if something doesn't work, she doesn't force it. You know, she's yeah. really good. She's kind of saying, she's like, hey, let's try this. If it works great, let's think, let's regroup, think about it from a functional aspect and try something different. We don't ever want to waste the patient's time. Yeah. Very true. Very true. It's good to be open to it. But yeah, I mean, you can't beat functional outcomes, you know, when it comes to just yeah. getting something up and moving with the power of your own arms and, and good uh, posture. I mean, yeah, you, you can't beat that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree hundred percent with that. You know, you're again, it's patient buy-in, right? You know, if someone's not buying something, what's the point of pushing it? And just like you said, mm -hmm. you know, kind of form your practice model around is, uh, you know, other techniques and ways to get patients to buy into what you want to do. Right. Um, but yeah, but good old modalities. Yeah. There'll be a, there will always be a standpoint on those as long as this career will be around. I'll yeah. imagine. I want to go on a, on a side note on, on, on the buy-in thing. So that's something that like I struggled with a little bit as, as a student, um, as far as like getting buy-in, but I've noticed, you know, two months in, you know, all time expert over here. Um, <laughs> but there's quite a few patients who are like, you're the expert, you know, I'll just do whatever you want. It doesn't matter what I think. And I think that's an issue and I take time, like probably five minutes with every person that says that. It's like, look, it doesn't matter that I'm the expert, what you think matters. And I try to, that's my, one of my number one things I wanted to, why I got into PT is, or why I started to enjoy it a lot more is the patient empowerment. It's less of, you know, I'm the practitioner, I'm the MD, you have this, so you're going to do this because I'm the expert. It's, this is what I think is going to help. What do you think? And mm -hmm. having their like, a lot of patients are like, they're kind of taken aback by it when I say what you say matters and what you think matters. It doesn't matter how smart I am. I could be the smartest, smartest person in the world, but if you don't buy, pick up what I'm putting down, it's not going to matter and you're not going to get better. Um, mm -hmm. So I think just for, for people out there listening, make sure you're, when your patients say that, make sure you let them know that they, their voice does matter and their opinion does matter. Because um, the less they feel like their opinion matters, the later down the line, they're going to have an unnecessary surgery. They're going to have unnecessary medication something's going to happen down the line because they don't feel empowered over their own health dude i i could not agree more like in my setting I, I get in trouble for taking the time to explain things sometimes to people who have dementia but it's just like taking that moment to educate your patient i mean even of course at their level you don't want to just sit there and you know jaw technical jargon at them but taking that couple of minutes to educate your patient to let them know what you're doing and getting them to buy into the concept behind the treatment oh 
I mean, especially in my saying, like I said, getting a 90-year-old to do anything <laughs> sometimes is rough. And hey, you know what? You've made it a long time. And I, they don't want to get up sometimes. But when you can explain to them, really explain what's going to happen and why you're doing something and get them involved and say, hey, you know, what do you think? Which, which sounds like it'll fit you better? And when you can really get them thinking around that kind of stuff, oh, the, the amount of buy-in and the output of you know, just work in general you get from a patient, you can't beat it. You cannot beat it. Yep. Yeah, I could not agree more with that. Yeah, education is huge. And one one thing that I've like, I've noticed that's been really helpful for me, um, and that's just so much just helpful for me, but for you know, uh, you know other other um, you know PTAs out there practicing or whether it's other therapists, but um, most like I'd say like you know seventy five percent of my patient caseload, possibly more, is either going to go outpatient or to a SNP facility. So they're either going to UMAT or UEDI, and mm-hmm. I realized. And so it's kind of a, it's just how the healthcare system works, kind of pushing them through the system. Um, and so when I, when I realized that, it's like, I sit down with a lot of patients, you know, through the process of, um, you know, understanding that. And I, I kind of talk to them, I'm like, Hey, you know, these are the goals we have for you here. And they're very short term goals, you know, cause it is acute and we're trying mm-hmm. to push you on to the next place. But, you know, when you do get to the next place, let's look at, you know, what are the things that motivated you when you worked with me, you know, trying to be conscious of those things, you know, what do you want to get out of this, you know, express those concerns to the next therapist. Um, and I really try to sit down to try and like kind of build that buy-in for the next person so mm-hmm. that they already go in there actively thinking about, okay, so what are my goals? You know, whether it's just getting out of a, you know, total knee surgery and it's like, Hey, well, I want to get back to, you know, playing with my grandkids and doing this or that. And I'm like, you know, write down some of those goals and go sit down, um, you know, with next therapist you know, on, on that session and be like, Hey, this is things that I would like to get to. Um, and this is kind of where I'm at. And so it helps the next therapist have like a conscious idea of, okay, well, this is what we can try to work towards. Um, mm-hmm. that's a lot for myself, just understanding how the healthcare system works is like stuff I've tried to work towards, um, kind of implementing in my day to day. And so far I think it's been good. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, to, I don't know about you, I'm sure you guys have met this the same, but when you get a patient's personal goals, it's always fun to try and recreate that. You know, like if you have a patient yeah. who wants to be a fly fisherman, you know, have them bring in a rod and reel cast right there down the hallway. I had, Back in school, I got to meet a gentleman who did archery, and I'm like, oh, how am I going to recreate archery? So I basically just took, I took a dowel rod and uh, wrapped a uh, TheraBand around mm-hmm. it and to pull it back, just like, you know, and it's, it's fun to try to think about that stuff. Yeah. When you get people to buy it, and like I said, when you do something that's recreating what they want, oh, yeah. man, they go but nuts. It's so much fun. That's how I got one of my patients on uh, when I was on clinicals to, to do a scent, like deadlifts with a, a milk crate. She was like, I want to be able to pick up and hold my like 30-pound granddaughter i was like sweet so here's a milk crate here's 30 bucks pick it up and we did that over and over yeah same thing i mean she she loved it she bought in instantly i didn't have to like convince her of anything like that so that was awesome mm-hmm. very cool talk about functional yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. all righty matt you're up what is something that uh, or an expectation that you had of yourself or, or, or of the clinic you know whatever have you that um went the way you expected it when you when you graduated that did go the way I expected it. Yeah. So we'll start, we'll start there and then Evan too. And then we'll go, uh, what didn't go the way we, we expected. All right. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll give my credit program. You know, I'm OTC in Springfield, Missouri. I will give my instructors, but they from day one treated us and expected us to treat them as though they were supervising PTs and we were physical therapist assistants in a clinical style setting. I mean, we, we goofed off, we had fun, but we were always expected to act like professionals 
And um, I mean, honestly, that's, I mean, that was an easy transition going from the classroom with that professional style setting into this kind of setting. I've been able to hold myself accountable and stay professional, which, you know, you don't always see everybody doing, but I was honestly just kind of shocked. I, I would think I would have figured that the, the college culture would have been quite a bit different than from interacting with, you know, like current clinicians. I shouldn't say actual clinicians, uh, current clinicians. And so it was an easy transition. I was very surprised by the same. I had the same level of professionalism and level of, you know, intra team working uh, that I saw in college. And I, that was been kind of a shocker. I expected a much harder transition. And admittedly, I might've just gotten lucky and found a, found a facility with a really great crew, which I have, I have zero complaints about my coworkers or my supervising therapists, but I, I got to give my, I got to give my school props for that. They really set us up for success talking about professional behaviors and how to interact with patients and interact with, uh, you know, supervising clinicians and things like that. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. That's a really cool model that they set up. Um, I, I, my school wasn't like that. And, um, not to rag on them or anything. They're so perfect. <laughs> We're all going to get very angry emails from our directors here. Yeah. <laughs> after this. Yeah, I know, right? Um, uh, but no, I, I mean, just that the, the approach to that um, mm -hmm. does kind of uh, sets you up for that um, that success in that manner. Um, and I mean, it, it's it, again, every school is different, so it's like kind of attention to detail for what that program feels is, you know, mm -hmm. most important when you go out to the field um, outside of the educational standpoint. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's really, that's really cool. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, similar ish, but different. Um, yeah. Mine was really good about differentiating between book knowledge and clinical. Um, I mean, I don't want to say half the time, but a, a lot of times when they were teaching stuff, they're like, look, this is what the book says, but when you get into clinical, it'll likely be different. You'll mm -hmm. probably be doing this X, Y, and Z in the clinic uh, versus the book says to do this. So, you know, a lot of times it was this, what you need to learn for the boards, but this is probably how you're going to do it in the clinic, but this is what mm -hmm. you need to know. Um, yeah, a lot of my teachers, just they, they had different kind of areas of things that they taught me. Like my favorite thing was one of my teachers was um, – like find the deficit work on it like what do you have trouble doing let's work on that she said at the end of the day that's what you need to do so if you see somebody and you're like i have no idea what the hell to do with them but she said yeah so if, you, if you're stuck just you know ask them what do you have trouble doing that you want to do and then work on that they have trouble moving their hand overhead work on that they have trouble lifting something from the ground work on that um, mm -hmm. that's kind of what i resort to really uh, all the freaking time you know when i'm just like stuck and i'm like holy shit you're moving through everything really well or you're not moving through everything really well I don't really know what to do with you. And then just ask, you know, what do you, what do you like to do? Or what do you, what's still hard for you to do at home? Oh, you know, it's still hard to kind of carry milk trucks. Great. Let's grab some kettlebells and let's, you know, work on that. Let's work on carrying shit. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard for you to turn around. Just today, there's a lady that I was working with and for her, it was hard, you know, it's hard for her to pivot or turn around um, and to like walk up curbs. So I just set up an obstacle course where she's weaving through cones and then she's stepping over hurdles. Boom, done. And I made her do it like 20 times. And she was mm -hmm. But yeah, I, th I think that's, you know, spot on is, you know, every school probably has like their thing that they um, teach people for you is a really easy transition from, from like I said, from uh, book work to clinical and the, the expectations that were made of you as a PTA. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I, I like that. Evan, you're up. What's a, what's a expectation that went well for you? Oh man. Um, that's a tough one. Um, there was a lot of things. I mean, I, I could probably speak more onto the opposite side of that, like the expectations I had that were difficult. Um, yeah, I think um, I think the biggest thing I knew about myself before going in that actually is what I expected is that I would do well with like um, just you know 
building, you know, a good rapport with patients. Um, just because I'm a freaking talker, I'm a people's person. Uh, so from that aspect, it's like, it's, it's interesting kind of jiving, you know, being like a very big communicator um, in a hospital setting because it's very like, you know, it's just, it's, it's driven on like not really like um, setting up long-term relationships, you know, because you get patients in and they're going out like left and right. Um, where it's, you know, uh, it's not like an outpatient where I can get a patient who might come in, you know, for three to four week plan of care and, you know, you see them pretty consistently um, and really get to build up, uh, you know, salad report. But, you know, in, in the short amount of time I have, I, I think my expectations going in about myself, just in general, being able to, you know, um, build a good rapport with people and get good patient outcomes through that. Um, that was something that I saw um, that I felt like I just kind of, you know, really just, uh, what I say, bolstered um, kind of through these past, I guess, seven or eight months. Um, and it's weird. Like, you know, a lot of people say, and we talked about this on the show before, um, but I think like, you know, how well, like, you know, your outcomes come in just many ways. Some people like really know, um, you know, from a functional standpoint, how to really engage somebody and how to work on, you know, different tasks that's going to help them back home and understanding the body and whether it's origin insertion and this and that and movements. Um, and then other people, you know, might, you know, whether it's a neuro, you know, might know how neuro clicks a little bit better, um, and postures and, you know, working on that. Uh, but I think there's just like so many like different aspects, um, into like your tool bag, uh, say your clinical tool bag. Um, and I think mine's like definitely just being a people person, like, you know, going in there. Cause you know, a lot of times in hospitals you go in and patients don't want to work with you. They're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I don't get out of bed. Um, you know, cause you know, whether it's like, you know, some of them are terminal, um and just don't see the point and so it's like well how can i sit down with you you know for 10 minutes at your bedside and try to convince you that you know getting up and moving is going to help you um, especially when it's going to hurt yeah yeah and so yeah. it's it's a, it's a bit hard sell it really is it's like what you know i mean i've seen a lot too with patients on our cancer tower which i mean bless their souls you know you're going in and these patients are sick half the time off chemo and fatigued and hurting and it's like i'm asking you to get up and move with me um, and a lot of them have like, you know, poor outlook on, you know, the future anyways, it's like, it's tough. Um, and so that's kind of like, I think that's like been one thing that I really tried to like hone in on is like, well, my, you know, me as a person understanding myself, like I'm a good people's person and I can go in there and maybe uplift you, maybe get a couple jokes in and then you want to get up and move a little bit, whether it is, you know, 10, 15 minutes, just because you like me as a person. It's like, well, we, we accomplished something today. So, so well, said. so well said, man, if you can build, I'm lucky enough, I get to see most of my patients, you know, minimum a week, sometimes up to two or three months, depending upon what it is they have and what we can talk Medicare into allowing, but, uh, <laughs> right. We all know, right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, when you build that rapport, when you can get a patient to open up and share stories, I used to, when I worked in, I used to be a salesman, hilariously enough, we called it making the human connection, showing them that you're not a salesman, you're a human just like them. When you yes. can find some connect, connecting factor, either you know, a, a common place you've both been or you know, their kids or you know, where your kids were from, you know, just there's always something to connect with. And when you can make that connection, you go from being the person that they're scared of, you go from being the, the doctor or the, the person in scrubs coming in to hurt them to a real person just like them. You become a person with, you know, a job and a house and a wife and a kid and you're, you're not scary anymore. I mean, I might be, I'm, you know, big, hairy, bearded guy. I don't know. But, uh, you know, you, people see you as a human and that's when they're, they're more willing to connect and listen and talk to you when, when you make that rapport that like, well said, man, I, I couldn't say that any better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's, 
Yeah, I mean, you guys both hit the nail on the head. You could, uh, like Evan said, you could be the most, you know, biomechanical and biological knowledge person in the world, but if you have no bedside manner, nobody, <laughs> very few people are going to get better under your care. Um, very few people are going to want to schedule, you know, with you. Um, mm-hmm. I have, I think, two or three people in the last two months that after I worked with them one time, they tried to get on my schedule as much as possible. And I spent probably 25, if not 50% of our first appointment together, just talking, um, mm-hmm. just letting them vent. There's one lady that she's a chronic pain patient had just 900,000 things going on. Um, and I worked with her twice, but the second time I spent like 80% of the time just talking and just letting her kind of vent about her issues and trying to go through the pain science stuff with her at, at a lower level. Um, and she said that that was the best appointment she's had in a while. And that's not shooting my own horn or anything like that, but like there's sometimes oh, where, man, and that's your own horn. You deserve to teach your own horn. Um, but that's part of one of the reasons why I like the place that I'm at is because they don't push for like me actually doing like, obviously yes, I have to actually do exercises with people and, and put my hands on people and stuff like that. But like if I spend 25 minutes talking to somebody, like I did that one day and I, and I asked my, my PT and the clinic director, I was like, so what do I bill for that? She, they're like, well, did it, was it skilled care for you to provide that education to them? It's like, yeah, it's okay. okay. Then you bill under skilled care for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's one thing that they're like, they're, they're good with it is if you have to spend extra time talking to them to just like get the education in there and, and let them vent, like that's part of the skilled care of our job. It's not just making them do three by 10 sit to stands. It's letting them vent for 10 minutes about the other stressors in their lives. So you can say, huh, that's probably why you're always in pain. And that's why, you know, you're not getting better because you have 2000 other things going on that mm-hmm. if you would have went to a mill clinic, um, they wouldn't know because they don't take the time to talk to you. So then mm-hmm. like, I mean, plenty of my patients. I love how the mill clinic made it into that little speech. Is it true though? Is it true? Yes, it is. He brings but, out a mill. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's true. Like if you don't spend time with your patient like that to get to know them, you know, they're going to come in like there was one patient I had today, uh, kind of a, a chronic pain, desensitized, a lot of, she had surgery, I think on both of her feet and just a lot of sensitivity on there. So we're trying to desensitize. She came in today and she's like, oh, my pain is so much worse today. You know, just talking to her, she had a shit ton of stuff going on this weekend with her family and um, a lot of just kind of fight, fighting and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you didn't have that last week. When I worked with you last week, all I had you do was talk about your grandbabies and how much you love them and your pain was significantly less with me working with you. And now when I'm talking to you, you had all this other stress happening, you have more pain. Mm-hmm. If I didn't listen to your story, I wouldn't know that there's a very high connection between that amount of stress and your pain now. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, all, all that to say, taking over the mic again, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, Evan's right. Building rapport, listening to your patients is huge. And if you have to spend 20 minutes with your patient, listening to them and, and letting them vent, you will be the greatest person in the world to them because you are likely the first person to do that in a long ass time. And you'll likely learn a lot of good motivators, seriously. When you get those stories, when they tell you about some of the things that are going on, you'd be like, well, hey, you know what? Here's how I can help you to get into a better position to deal with those kind of things. Like, no, you know, we're not that kind of therapist. We can't always help with the home life. Yeah. But, you know, when they're, when they're concerned about, you know, being able to, I have a patient who would love to go to her son's wedding. It's in like three weeks and she's scheduled yeah. to be discharged within two, two and a half if things go well. So she's stressed about it. But we use that as a motivator. Like, okay, you know what? If this is what we want to do, here's the things we got to do to to obtain this goal and the time you want to do it. And finding out that information, getting those motivators, again, 
talk about getting a patient, this ties back into what we're talking about, getting a patient to buy in. When yeah. you find personal motivators like that, you know, take the time to listen to them. Sometimes that's what they need. They just need a therapeutic ear to listen to. And yeah. we can still make that functional and make that uh, relevant by finding out that information that we can use to help our patients, you know, be more effective in the time that they are up and moving. So yeah, absolutely. Love it. I'm also chatty Kathy too. So I'll never say no to just sharing stories with a patient sometimes. Exactly. I love it. Um, okay, sweet. Um, anything else you guys want to tag on to that, to the positive expectations that that went the way you expected it to go? Anything you think it might be beneficial to, to students or, or new grads? Um, I mean, honestly, you know, we were talking about modalities versus, uh, like actual hands-on therapy kind of stuff that kind of transitioned pretty quickly. I mean, you know, when it comes to just the actual exercises, the functional, okay, here's what you'd want to do for a knee. Uh, my, my teachers called it tools in my toolbox. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. A lot of those, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot just in the six months I've been working, which, you know, I think we'll all, you'll find, you'll learn more on the job just cause that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. But I would say from a, from a like kinesiology standpoint, the functional stuff has, has been helping me quite a bit. I've, I felt pretty well prepared, you know, coming into it. Mean, I felt very, you know, basic <laughs> white girl, basic, yeah. uh, compared to uh-huh. therapists who've been there for a couple of years, but I still felt, I still felt and feel effective, you know, you know, by, by learning what I learned then. So that's, that was actually really nice. I didn't come into this. I mean, I felt like a babe in the woods just being a new, you know, a new PTA, yeah. fresh PTA, you know, hashtag fresh PTA. Yeah. But, uh, that, like I said, that surprisingly has, has come across well. I've been very, I've been very pleasantly surprised. Sweet. It's uh, getting else? I'm gonna turn light. Man, uh, I, I, I guess I, if you can consider this a positive, but I would say, you know, my expectation, another expectation I had was that there was just going to be a crap ton that I didn't know and that I was going to have to figure out. And it was true. There was a crap ton I didn't know that I was going to figure out. And, um, but it was, the, I guess the positive in that, you know, for students out there, um, is that there's some really cool, there's some really great people out there that are already clinicians that are willing and want to help you. Um, I know the people that work around me, whether it's the PTs or PTAs that have been there, um, fantastic people that really want to, to help you learn as much as possible. And I'm sure that's the same for you, Eddie and you, Matt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, it's just your, you know, for your, for your, for the rest of, you know, the students out there, um, that are, you know, freaking out about, you know, the things they don't know, or they might not know the uncertainties. Um, yeah, they're going to be there, you know, for, you know, it, it should be, it should be a positive really. Cause you don't want to go out and think, you know, everything cause you're not yeah. going to. Um, but the positive, yeah, but the longer I've been doing this, the more I realize I don't know anything. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the and how much I don't know steadily grows bigger every day. That's how I feel every day. I go into work and I'm like, I mean, you learn something new, but it's, it's exciting because I mean, it's like, well, if you, if you just knew everything, I mean, it would just get so old so quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, side tangent again, but for, for people, students and, and new grads, I think that's uh, an important point. And in, in when you're looking for a job, you know, and I told all my classmates this, don't just accept the first job that comes your way. Um, just let me rephrase that. Don't accept Unless the first job that comes, comes your way, way for the sake that it's the first job that came your way. Mm-hmm. Um, I did accept the first job offer that I was that I got, but it was because they met a ton of criteria that I had for a job that I wanted. You know, make sure you have a specific list of questions um, and a specific criteria of what your ideal job would look like, and go in there and ask questions specifically for you know those criteria. Um, make sure men- mentorship is, is more than, you know, just walking in and, and you can ask one question and then, you know, everybody's busy for the day. You know, I don't, I don't have, uh, actually, no, for my first two weeks, I, I, I really did. And, you know, like I said, I was shadowing the PT for a while. 
um, and then kind of took over his caseload and then had my own caseload. And then there were specific blocked off times where um, like I would meet with uh, one of the PTs and then eventually my supervising PT, we just met. She's, you know, just talking to me, get to, getting to know me. Um, getting like to know sure. all about you. Well, <laughs> Mary Poppins for you, buddy. Yeah, man, you don't know Mary Poppins? <laughs> no, I haven't seen either one. Oh, either one shame on you. Shame on you, Eddie. <laughs> well, you Your listeners are going to be disappointed. I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's a huge, huge thing I'm on is, is and why I, I preach against mill clinics is because you don't get that mentorship. You don't get, you know, when you feel stuck as a new grad in, in those, in those clinics, you just don't, you don't feel like there's a way for you to ask questions and figure it out. You know, I have plenty of times in the clinic where, you know, shit's going weird and I just stop and I say, Hey, I'm going to be right back with you. And I go to the PT. I'm like, Hey, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing here. What do I do? Um, or, you know, pe- people's BP is, you know, going crazy. I had a, uh, had a lady the other day who's, BP, she walked into the clinic, had her sat, sit down because she said she has been lightheaded. I took her BP sit, seated and it was 200 over 110. And normally that would freak the fuck out. But I went over to the PT. I was like, hey, so she's like kind of super high right now, um, her BP. And he's like, yeah, keep an eye on it. You know, she's normally has that high BP and kind of had me do some sitting stuff. But like I felt comfortable treating her and felt comfortable being with her because I knew at the end of the day, those PTs that are there aren't, they don't feel bothered by me asking questions. Like they're happy to help all the time. The other PTAs there, same thing. Like I can come in, I'll just kind of wait till they're done talking to their patient and ask them a question. Like they're always, always available to help. And that's super, super important, especially as a new grad. I feel like um, make sure you're going to a clinic that's going to be like that. That's going to offer you that mentorship or, or the camaraderie that you need to be a successful clinician. Yeah. Rant over. <laughs> no, dude, that's a, that's a perfect one. I mean, I, I can't speak as a supervising PT, but I've been a sales manager before and I've always told my, uh, my employees, like I would so much rather you come waste 30 seconds of my time with what you think is a stupid question than to waste 30 minutes of my time of me having to fix the boo-boo you make yeah. because you didn't come to me and ask me a question. You know, I, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm just like you, I'm Eddie, I'm lucky enough that my, my PT is, I've never once been made, you know, made to feel like I was stupid or that I should have known something. Yeah, you know, I'm sure it's the same for you and Evan, you as well. We probably hold ourselves much to much higher and harder standards than our bosses do. But I always feel bad because I'm like, oh, I should have known that, or oh, I know they taught me that in school two years ago, but I still yeah. should have remembered it. But now that is, yeah, you've got to find, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, money is what makes the world go round. But having a that good team, that good mentorship, like you said, having a good leader, not just a good manager. Yeah, it, I mean will make a job that much worth it. Cause you can't go in there making, yeah, you might get paid $30 an hour. You're making all the money in the world, but you hate your job. So how long are you going to last? So absolutely. When you go, I mean, I'll say the same thing. I, I got the first job I applied for, but that means because I had called and actually like spoke with the uh, directors of the rehab at like three other ones that I liked. And I just, they sound like great places, but I just didn't like the story. I didn't like the story as much as I like the one I'm at now. And I'm so, I mean, the job itself is super stressful. We all know we're fresh PTs, you know, get ready guys for all the listeners who are going to be graduating soon. It's hard. It's going to be real hard, but finding something that, you know, finding a job that you don't hate, finding a job that you love and with people that you can see, you know, you're going to spend eight hours a day ish with these people every single day. And that is so important. Yeah. So important. Yeah, no, that's, that's great that you touched on that. That it, I mean, it's going to be hard, you know, cause it is. Um, and just uh, everything, you know, adulting in general. Yeah, uh, adulting in general. Yeah. Not adulting yes, and then not knowing what you're doing. Um, it really sweet. catches up to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. You know, um, so, get a beard straightener. I mean, life's tough, you know? Yeah. It's the little things in life, guys. I tell you, it's the little things in life that make it bearable. Yeah. <laughs> the, small, the small battles you win, right? Right. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I'm under, I'm under, you know, my, my instructors always called it, be the duck. You know, above the water, you're calm and serene. Below the water, you're freaking out. So, yeah. hey, if it, as long as I look good when I go to work, nobody can tell how much I'm freaking out under the water. Dude, I've said that to, like, a couple patients. Like, a couple of them are like, you're so good to work with. You know, you're so calm and everything. I'm like, I'm like, and I tell them, like, look, I only look calm. On the inside, I'm freaking the fuck out. <laughs> and they just start laughing. You're like, I am. Oh, like, I'm only partially joking about that. <laughs> like, you think I got this together? I'm like, I oh, don't know. Not even a little well that's all we got for you today uh, hopefully you enjoyed that and, and related to some of it at least in some way uh, I know sometimes we can get a little off track with our uh, conversations but hopefully you enjoyed it all uh, if you did and you relate or you don't relate or you know want to kind of continue the conversation be sure to drop us a uh, comment either on Facebook or Twitter uh, hit us up at the underscore PTA underscore tapes on Twitter uh, or just the P- PTA tapes on Facebook. Um, also, be sure to give us a like and subscribe if you do like us and want to subscribe to us. Uh, drop us a, a feedback review on iTunes and, and it, any of the other platforms we're on as well. We're always looking for feedback on, on how we can do better and, and, and better provide information to you guys. Uh, be sure to check out part two where we talk about what didn't quite go uh, the way we expected it uh, in the clinic and all the fun conversations that happen after that. Uh, thanks for listening and have a good one. <laughs>